Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Peyton is waking up. Do we have a special shout out to somebody today? Who do we shout out? Sadie. We're going to shout out somebody named Sadie who's turning 11 years old. Happy birthday, Sadie. You want to say happy birthday to Sadie, Pear? Happy birthday. That's so cool. 11. That's like your first double number, huh? One, one. The next is two, two. Two, two is fun, too. But 11, 11 is no, pretty cool. The next one is one, two. No, like double number, like one, one, mm. two, two. You can't be zero, zero. This is her first double number. That's so cool. What grade is 11? Okay, so if you're nine and you're in fourth, 11 must be like six, fifth, sixth grade, huh? No, I guess you turn, you turn 12. So she's probably in fifth grade. I know that's six. No, because I was 12 in sixth grade. Anyways, happy birthday, Sadie. We hope you have a really, really good birthday. And if there's a book that you want us to read, we'll put it on our list. Huh? Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of good Halloween books coming up. One of them is, I think it's called like the Graveyard Book or something like that. It's supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be spooky, but not too spooky. But we have like a stack of 10 books, so we need to get through these books so that we can get to the Halloween actually we have to finish these then we have to do the Heidi Huckleback because we still never finish that and then we have to reorganize all of the episodes so that they're together because we can't we kind of like I'm nine mm-hmm. ten ten eight. eleven yep so you're in third grade fourth fifth nope I'm not in third oh sure, my god I know I was just testing you to see if you knew what grade you were in oh my gosh you know I think you're gonna be a third grader forever in my brain oh my gosh she's not a third grader sorry Peyton don't kill me ah don't forget you have gymnastics today so you have to bring your stuff with you oh she knows okay all right a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket book the ninth the carnivorous carnival this one goes out to Sadie. This episode is dedicated to you. Chapter 9. Okay, this picture has lions. And that is scary because they look a little starved. Look, you can see their ribs, Pay. They look a little bit hungry. See? Yep, okay. The curious thing about being told to sleep, to sleep on it. A phrase here which means I'm sure you'll know. Go to bed thinking about something and reach a conclusion in the morning is one that you usually can't. If you're thinking over a dilemma, you're likely to toss and turn all night long thinking it over, thinking over terrible things that can happen and trying to imagine what in the world you can do about it. And these circumstances are unlikely to resist in sleeping in at all and sleeping at all. Just last night, I was troubled by a decision making an eyedropper, a greedy Wait, making an eyedropper? 
involving an eyedropper, a greedy night watchman, and a tray of individual custards. And this morning, I am so tired that I can scarcely type these wurfs. I think he means words because he's so tired. And so it is with the Baudelaire orphans that night after Esme Squalor had told them to sleep on it and decided the next morning whether or not to throw Madame Lulu and the lions to the lions and jump on Count Olaf's troop. The children, of course, had no intentions of becoming part of the band of villains or tossing anyone into the deadly pit. But Esme had also asked them, what in the world they would do if they decided not to join Count Olaf. And and what, and this was a question that kept them tossing and turning in their hammocks, which are particularly uncomfortable places to toss and turn. The Baudelaire's hoped that instead of joining Count Olaf, they would travel through the hinterlands and in, in motorized roller coaster cart of Violet's invention, accustomed by Madame Lulu in her undisguised identity of Olivia, along with the archival library from underneath the table of the fortune-telling tent, and in the hopes of finding the Baudelaire parents alive and well in VFD, head, VFD headquarters in, Mount, in Mortman Mountains. But this plan seemed to be complicated; that the children were worried over, so that the children were worried over all that they could go over all that could go wrong and spoil the whole thing. Violet thought about the lightning device that she planned to turn into a fan belt and was worried that there wasn't that there wouldn't be sufficient torque to make the carts move the way they needed to. Klaus was worried that the archival library wouldn't contain specific directions to the headquarters and they would get lost in the mountains, which were rumored to be enormous and confusing and fill the fill with wild animals. Sunny worried that they might not find enough to eat the, the hinterlands, and all three Baudelaire's worried that Madame Lulu would not keep their promise and <sighs> would not reveal the orphan's disguise when Count Olaf asked about them the next morning. The siblings worried about all of these things all night, and although the, ca- the case of the desert chef managed to find the hotel... Hotel room and knock on my window just before dawn. The Baudelaire orphans found what, the, what found that morning found that when that morning came and then when when they were done sleeping, they hadn't reached any conclusions to their plans, other than it was risky and the only one they could and the only one they can think of. Okay, that didn't make sense. Let me read that again. Oh my God! Nope, that was way too long of a sentence. At first, the rays of sun shone through the window onto a potted plant. The Baudelaire's quietly lowered themselves out of their hammocks. Hugo, Colette, and Kevin had announced that they were ready to join Count Olaf's troop and did not need to sleep on it, as so often happens when people who have nothing to sleep on. The children's co-workers were sleeping soundly and did not awaken the siblings after the siblings left the caravan to go work on the plan. Count Olaf and his troop dug the lion pit alongside the ruined roller coaster so that the children had to walk along the edge to reach the ivory car- covered carts oh ivy covered carts the pit was not very deep although its walls were just as just high enough so that nobody could climb out if they were thrown inside and it was not very large so all the lions were crowded together as they had been in the trailer oh that's so sad like the Baudelaire's co-workers the lions must not have had much to sleep on and they were still dozing in the morning sun 
sound asleep, the lions did not look particularly ferocious. Some of their manes were all tangled, as if no one had brushed them for a long time, and some of their legs twitched as if they were dreaming of better days. On their backs and bellies, there were several nasty scars from whips of Count Olaf that Count Olaf had given them, which made the Baudelaire sore just looking at them. And most of the lions were very, very thin, as if they had not eaten a good meal in quite some time. I feel sorry for them, Violet said, looking at the lions, who was so skinny that all of its ribs were visible. If Madame Lulu was right, these lions were once noble creatures, and now look at how miserable, how miserably Count Olaf has treated them. They look lonely, Klaus said, squinting down at the pit with a frown, a sad frown. Maybe they're orphans too. Well, maybe they have a surviving parent, Violet said. Maybe, maybe they have a surviving parent, Violet said, somewhere in the Mormon... Mortmain Mountains. Isidurek, Sunny said, which meant something like, maybe someday we can rescue these lions. For now, let's rescue ourselves, Violet said with a sigh. Klaus, let's see if we can untangle the ivy from the cart in front of us. We'll probably need two carts, one for the passengers and one for the archival library. So, Sunny, see if you can get the ivy off of that one. Easy, Sunny said, pointing to her teeth. All of the caravans were on wheels, Klaus said, so it would be easier to hitch up hitch up one of the caravans to the lightning device caravan is too big said violet if you want to move a caravan you'd have to attach an automobile or several horses we'll be lucky if i can rebuild the cart's engine madame lulu said that they were rusted away it seemed like they were hitching our hopes up to a rusty plan klaus said tearing away a few strands of ivy with the arm he could use but i suppose there's no more risky plan than other things we've done like this like stealing a sailboat or climbing an elevator shaft, Violet said. Would a walk, Sunny said, with her mouth full of plant, and her siblings knew she meant something along the lines of, or pretending to be surgeons. Actually, Violet said, maybe this plant isn't so risky after all. Look at the axles on the cart. Axles, Klaus said. Yeah, the rods that are holding the wheels in place, she explained, pointing to the bottom of the cart. They're in perfect condition. That's good news, because we need these wheels to carry us a long way. The eldest Baudelaire looked up from her work and gazed at the horizon to the east. The sun was rising, and soon its rays would reflect the mirrors and the position in the fortune-telling tent. But to the north, she could see Mount Main Morton rising up in odd square shapes, more like a staircase rather than a mountain range, with patches of snow on higher places, and the top steps covered in a thick gray fog. <sighs> It'll take a long time to get there, she said. And it doesn't look like there's a lot of repair shops on the way. Well, I wonder what we'll find up there, Klaus said. I've never been to the headquarters of anything. Neither have I, Violet said. Here, Klaus, lean down with me so I can look at the engine of this cart. If we knew more about VFD, Klaus said, we might, know, we might know what to expect. How does the engine look? Not too bad, Violet said. Violet, some of these... Some of these pistons are completely rusted away, but I think I can replace them with these latches on the sides of the cart. The lightning device will provide a fan belt. We need something else, something like twine or wire to help connect the two cars. Ivy, Sunny asked. Good idea, Sunny, Violet said. The stems of the ivy felt solid enough. If you'll pluck the leaves of a few strands, you'll be able to, you'll be a big help. What can I do, Klaus asked. Help me turn over the cart, Violet said. But watch, watch where you put your feet. We don't want you falling into the pit. I don't want anyone falling into the pit, Klaus said. You don't think others will throw Madame Lulu into the lions, do you? 
Not if we get this done in time, Violet said grimly. See if you can help me bend the latch so it fits into that notch, Klaus. No, no, the other way. I just hope Esme doesn't throw them, doesn't throw somebody else in when we all escape. Well, she probably will, Klaus said, struggling with the latch. I can't understand why Hugo, Colette, and Kevin would join up with people who do such things. I guess they're just happy that anybody's treating them like normal people, Violet said, and glanced to the pile, or glanced onto the pit of, glanced to the pit. One of the lions yawned and stretched its paws and opened its sleepy eye, but seemed uninterested in three children working nearby. Maybe that's when they try. Maybe when they tried to work someplace else, everyone laughed at them. Or maybe ju they just like committing crimes, Klaus said. That's possible too, Violet said, and then frowned at the bottom of the cart. I wish my mother's toolkit, I wish I had my mother's toolkit, she said. She had this tiny wrench I always admired, and it would be just perfect for this job. She'd probably be better help than I am, Klaus said. I can't make a head or a tail of what you're doing. You're doing fine, Violet said, particularly if you want to consider we're sharing a shirt. How are, how are those ivy stems coming along, Sunny? Lisoint, Sunny repeated, which meant I'm nearly done. Good work, Violet said, peering at the sun. I'm, I'm not sure how much time we have left. I'm not sure how much time we have. Count Olaf is probably inside the fortune-telling tent by now, asking the crystal ball about the where, our whereabouts. I hope Madame Lulu keeps her promise and doesn't give him what he wants. Will you hand me the piece of metal on the ground, Klaus? It looks like it used to be part of the tracks, but I'm going to use it to make a steering device. I wish Madame Lulu could give us what we want, what we want, Klaus said, handing a piece to his sister. I wish we could find out if one of our parents had survived the fire without wandering into Mormate Mountain Range. Me too, Violet said. And even though we are, n we might not find them, we could go to. <sighs> Me too, Violet said. And even though we may not find them, they could just be down here looking for us. Remember the train station, Klaus said. Violet nodded. Isobac, Sunny said, heading over to the ID, heading over, handing over the ivy stems. By Isobac, she meant something like, I don't remember, although there was no way she could have remembered, as the youngest Baudelaire hadn't even been born at the times her siblings were remembering. The Baudelaire family had had decided to go away for the weekend to a vineyard, a word here which means a sort of farm where people grow grapes and used, used in wine. This vineyard was famous for having grapes that smelled delicious, and it was very pleasant to picnic in the fields while fragrance drifted in the air of the vineyard's famous donkeys who helped carry bushels of grapes to har at harvest time. Sleep in the shade of some grapes. Oh, oh who helped blah, blah, the donkeys, blah, 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 slept in the shade of grapevines. To the vine, to, to reach the vineyards, oh my gosh, focus. To reach the vineyard, the Baudelaire's had to take not one train, but two, transferring at a busy station not far from Paltryville. And on the day that Violet and Klaus rem were remembering, the children had been separated from their parents in a rush of transferring crowds. Violet and Klaus, who were quite young, decided to search for their parents in a row of the shops just outside the station. And, some, and soon the local shoemaker, blacksmith, chimney sweep, and computer technician were all helping the two frightened children look for their mother and father. Soon enough, the Baudelaire's family were reunited, but the children's father had taught them a serious lesson. If you, lo if you lose us, he said, stay put. 
Yes, their mother agreed. Don't go wandering around looking for us. We'll come look, come and find you. At the time, Violet and Klaus had solemnly agreed, but other ti- uh, but times had changed. When the Baudelaire parents had said, if you lose us, they were referring to times when the children might lose sight of them in a crowd as the train station as at the as it happened in the street train station that day i had lunch just a few weeks ago and talked to the shoemaker's son about what happened they were not referring to the baudelaire's but the way the baudelaire's had lost them now in a way a deadly fire seemed to have claimed at least one of their lives there are times to stay put and what you want will come to you and there are times to go out into the world and find such things for yourself like the Baudelaire orphans I have found myself in many places staying put where staying put would be would be dangerously foolish and foolishly dangerous I have stood in department stores and seen someone written on a seen something written on a price tag that told me to leave at once but different in different clothing I have sat in an airport and heard something over the loudspeaker that told me that I had to leave later that day but on a different flight and I have stood alongside the roller coaster on at Caligari Carnival and known what the Baudelaire's could not possibly have known that quiet morning. I have looked at the carts. I have looked at at the carts all melted together, covered in ash, and I have gazed at the pit dug by Count Olaf and his henchmen and seen all the burnt bones lying in the heap. I have picked through the bits of of mirror and crystal where the fortune telling tent once stood, and all of this research told me the something and if somehow I could slip back in time as easily as I could slip out of the disguise I am in now I would walk to the edge of the pit and tell the Baudelaire orphans the results of my findings but of course I cannot I can only fulfill my sacred duty and type this story as best I can and down to the last word worf but remember he's tired he means word <laughs> worf Sunny said with the when the Baudelaire's had finished telling the story about the train station. By wharf, she meant something along the lines of, I don't think that we should stay put. I think that we should leave right now. We can't leave yet, Violet said. The steering device isn't ready, and the carts are firmly... Oh, the steering device is ready, and the carts are firmly attached to one another, but without a fan belt, the engines won't work. We'd better go to the fortune-telling tent and dismantle the lightning lighting device. Olaf, Sunny asked... Well, let's hope that Madame Lulu has sent him on his way, Violet said. Otherwise, we'll be cutting cutting it close. We have to finish our invention before the, su- before the show begins. Otherwise, everyone will be getting into the cart. S- see us getting into the carts and leave. There was a faint growl from the pit, and the children saw that most of the lions were awake, looking around crankily as their, at their surroundings. Some of them were trying to pace around in their cramped quarters, but they only managed to get in the way of the other lions, which only made them crankier. Look, those lions look hungry. I wonder if it's almost showtime. Alex, Sunny said, which meant something along the lines of, let's move out, and the Baudelaire's moved out, walking away from the roller coaster towards the fortune-telling tent. As the children walked through the carnival, they saw that quite a few visitors had already arrived, and that some of them giggled, and the sib- some of them giggled at the siblings as they made their way. Look, one man said, pointing at the Baudelaire with a sneer, Freaks, let's be sure to go to the lion show later. One of them might get eaten. I hope so, said his companion. I didn't come all this way to the hinterlands for nothing. The woman at the ticket booth told me that a journalist from the Daily Punctilio is here to report who gets devoured. 
said another man who was wearing a Caligari Carnival t-shirt that had apparently purchased at the gift shop. The Daily Punctilio, the woman cried. How exciting. I've been reading about those Baudelaire murders for weeks. I just love violence. Who doesn't, the man replied, especially when it comes to sloppy eating. Just as the Baudelaire's reached reached the fortune-telling tent, the man stepped in front of them and blocked their way. The children looked up at the pimples on his chin and recognized him, the very rude member of the audience, as the House of Freaks. Why, look who's here, he said. It's Chavo, the baby wolf, and Beverly and Elliot, the two-headed freak. It's very nice to see you again, Violet said, as she tried to walk around him, but he grabbed the, grabbed the shirt she was wearing with her brother, and she had to stop so he wouldn't tear the shirt and reveal their disguise. What about your other head, the pimple the pimpled man asked. Does he think does he think it's nice to see me? Of course, Klaus said, but we're in a bit of a hurry, so you'll excuse me. Of, uh, I don't excuse freaks, the man said. There's no excuse for them. Why don't you wear a sack over one of your heads so that you look normal? Grr, Sunny said, baring her teeth at the man's knee. Please leave us alone, sir, Violet said. Chavo is very protective of us and might bite you if you get too close. I bet Chabo's no match for a bunch of ferocious lions, the man said. I can't wait until the, sh- until the show and nearly can my mother. That's right, dear, said a woman who was standing nearby. She stepped forward to give the pimpled man a big kiss, and the Baudelaire's noticed that the pimples seemed to run in the, f- run in the family. What, does the other- what time does the show start, freaks? Mm, the show starts right now. The pimpled man looked at his mother and turned around to see who spoke, but the Baudelaire's did not have to look to know it was count olaf the man who had announced oh that who had made the announcement the villain was standing at the entrance of the fortune telling tent with a whip in his hand and particularly nasty gleam in his eye both of which state siblings recognized the whip of course was the one that count olaf used to encourage the lions to become ferocious which the baudelaires had seen the previous day and the gleam was something they had seen more times than they can count it was a sort of gleam that someone might get in their eye if they were telling a joke, but Olaf looked at people in a way that usually meant that one of his schemes were successfully brilliant. The show starts right now, he announced. He announced again to the people gathering around him. I've just had my fortune told, so I've gotten what I've wanted. Count Olaf pointed to the fortune-telling tent with his whip and then turned around to point to the disguised Baudelaire's as he grinned. Now, ladies and children, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get the lion to go to the lion pit so that we can give the rest of you what you want. Yikes! Oh my God, is he gonna throw the Baudelaire's in there, Peyton? No. Okay, guys, don't worry. She said no. So we will end this episode with one more happy birthday, Sadie! Shout out. We hope you get everything that you wanted, or got all the money that you wanted if you're saving for something we don't know what you want for your birthday or what you want to do but we hope you get everything that you wish for right Peyton Mm -hmm. happy birthday Sadie